It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, Left of Field listeners. That's right. It's Danny Kavanagh and I'm back. Thank you for being so patient with me. I did have a few weeks away from the microphone, but don't worry. I am back and I am back with a bang. Today, I am lucky enough to be joined by Maddie Radcliffe. Now, Maddie decided to put her international hockey career on hold after playing just 30 games in the green and gold. At the age of just 21, she stepped away from the hockey field and has pursued other interests. But she's got plenty to share about the experience. And she's definitely one talented athlete because she's found her love for a new sport. And who knows, I reckon she could become a professional in that one too. So uh, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome to Left of Field, Maddie Radcliffe. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Danny. I'm honoured. I should be honoured. <laughs> I'm going to let all our listeners know, we actually play AFL women's football together, don't we? Yeah, yeah, down for collegians at the Shank. So this is the first year I've played footy. I don't know, is this your first year as well? It sure is. I'm amateur yeah. footballers we are. We're not quite at a... Well, I say we're not quite at the level of professionals and... That's only speaks for one of us. You, I reckon you were our next AFLW star. Uh, I'm not sure. I about actually should that. be honoured that um. you're speaking to me today. You're winning best on field every week. Last week you were handballing to yourself, showing skills way beyond any other girl. So I'm honoured that you were joining me today. Would you ever consider pursuing <laughs> AFL now? Well, to be honest, I've like I've never played contact sport before, so this year's been like playing footy has been quite new for me. And I still, I think you say I handballed to myself, but it was more I just saw someone coming to tackle me, and I freaked out, handballed it in the air, and then was able to somehow catch it again. You've got the don't argues. I gave you best on field because I was just blown away with your don't argues the other week. So uh, it's pretty impressive. But I think <laughs> yeah, once again, just don't want to get tackled. That's Don't want to get. <laughs> yeah, you like to st- you'll stick to the sport where you've got the one with a stick or something just to pass everyone else away. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, let's start from the beginning. Have you always been someone who's interested in sport? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in a town in Victoria, about three hours outside of Melbourne, and a bit of a footy factory. So as well as other sports too. So I grew up, you know, with always playing sport. All my friends playing sport. My family being pretty heavily involved in sporting clubs, all different types. And yeah, so I've always just loved it. It's been a massive part of my life since since I was really young. And when did you first pick up a hockey stick? I think probably a little bit later compared to other sports. I was always busy playing tennis. That was my first kind of one I took seriously, but I was probably maybe 12 or 13 when I started playing hockey properly. That was it aligned with about the time that Warrnambool, the town I'm from, got its first hockey turf. Before that, they were playing on grass, so that's when I kind of started playing. So you said you were playing tennis. Were you doing that competitively? Yeah, nothing too crazy competitively, but I was travelling around doing the tournaments and stuff like that, but I stopped at about under-14s, I think. And what made you step away from maybe pursuing a career in tennis and going down the hockey route? For me, hockey has always been the winner because of the team sport aspect. I I grew up as well as tennis doing competitive surfing and travelling around for that, but at the same time as, as hockey and it actually got to the point where I kind of chose at about 15 or 16 whether or not I wanted to follow surfing or hockey and it kind of came down to hockey probably got over the line because of because of the people and I was 
making so many good friends and enjoying it a lot more, the social side and the off-field kind of aspect a lot more in a team sport environment than I was competing as an yeah, individual athlete, I guess. Now I know why you're so good at AFL, hockey, surfing, tennis. <laughs> Is it when you become an elite athlete in one sport, there's just, what's next for you? Are you going to, you can pick up a ball and play anything. Oh, I, I don't know if I can play anything that well where it's I could be considered an athlete, I guess. Yeah, I just, I've always loved sports. I've always, I've had a taste of pretty much everything, I guess. When did you start getting really serious with it? Was it really quick for you or did you have to persist at the sport for a while? So living in Warrnambool, the, kind of, the opportunities were kind of limited in terms of taking sport seriously. You had to either probably move up to the city in Melbourne or commute or board or something like that. So I made my first state team when I was, I think, 14. The trainings were twice a week in Melbourne, Wednesday nights and early Sunday mornings. And from about the age of yeah, 14 to 17, my mum and dad drove me twice a week up to Melbourne to train. So it was like a, a six-hour round trip on a Wednesday and a Sunday morning, I guess. They they committed a lot of their time. So, that yeah, that's probably when I decided I was going to do it yeah, properly. When did you make your first Australian team? When did you get to put on the green and gold? When I finished school, I moved straight up to Melbourne and I got a Victorian Institute of Sports scholarship. I lived in Melbourne for the year there and I got picked up into the junior Australian system. So I played some games, they call it the Jillaroos, which is like the junior hockey roos. And then following that year, I got a scholarship, Australian Institute of Sports scholarship to move over to Perth. The following year, start training with the Hockey Roos. I think I moved over there in end of Jan 2016. It was an Olympic year, the Rio 2016 year. So it was a pretty full-on year to move over. They kind of told me, you know, don't expect much from this year in terms of debuting or playing a lot of games or anything because it's pretty focused on the Olympics. And then within, I think, four weeks, there was a series against Great Britain in Perth. One of the girls got injured and I got the call-up. So I ended up debuting three or four weeks into moving over to Perth, which was pretty crazy. And were you one of the youngest on the team? That's insane. Yeah, I think at the time I, I was the youngest. And what we, was it like was, putting on the green and gold for the first time? Oh, it was it was crazy. It was so cool. I don't think I appreciated it as much at the time as I do now. I think because it kind of happened all so fast and probably seemed a bit easy almost how it all panned out. It also, yeah, happened really fast. My parents didn't, like, get enough warning to come over for it. Dad eventually made it over for the third game I played in that series. But the night before, when I found out, my best friend, Sav Fitzpatrick and Maddie Fitzpatrick, who also play in the Hockey Roos, they took me out for dinner with their dad, Scott, as well. Mm -hmm. So I had a little family kind of dinner with them and they kind of drilled into me how special I guess it was and everything. And helped calm um, the nerve having, yeah. nerves, having some familiar faces around you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You say that you didn't really appreciate it at the moment, but looking back, you know, playing in that series, how did you perform? I think in that game, in that first game, I touched the ball maybe five or six times. I'd barely even remember any of the gameplay or anything. I remember the meeting beforehand getting kind of presented my, my bodysuit. I remember like one kind of attack on goal that I had, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I did. I concussed one of the Great Britain girls accidentally. <laughs> That, but that was a me. highlight that, of the career so far. Yeah, 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 big highlight. <laughs> so over the next few years, you played in about 30 matches for Australia? Yeah, yeah. What um, was the highlight? Oh, probably for me, the highlight was the Commonwealth Games. That was probably definitely the coolest. 
the hockey was great, but it's all the everything that happens around it. There's a lot of hype. Obviously, it was a home Commonwealth Games in in the Gold Coast. You know, you're in the village. You get big crowds, which hockey we're not as used to, I guess. There's a lot of home support. Yeah, everyone really kind of gets around it more so than other events, I guess. So that was really cool. That was an amazing experience. So then after 30 matches, what made you want to step away from the sport? I was in the program for all about three years in the Australian program. And after the Commonwealth Games, uh, there was a couple of my friends were leaving the program, close friends. We had just lost two of our assistant coaches who had good relationships with. I was kind of just finishing up my university degree and getting to the stage where I was looking to to work um, full-time and stuff, which doesn't quite work out with hockey. So just as a bit of context, I was doing part-time work all the way through when I was in the program just to supplement my wage, I guess, as a, as a hockey player. I and mean, I always wanted to keep that going. And the program was flexible with that. I was able to work one full day a week and then maybe a half day here and there. But that flexibility was dwindling a little bit. So I made the decision at the time based on what I want to do later in life, my kind of enjoyment levels of the sport, to take a little break and see what I thought of, you know, working full time, see what I how it worked for me. And then I ended up liking it and a lot more. And yeah, I've just kept doing it ever since, I guess. That seems pretty crazy. You're a professional athlete, but you say to supplement a lifestyle you needed to work on the side is that common for professional hockey players yeah yeah it is really common I'd say most of the girls probably either have a part-time job or something more serious I know uh, Rach Lynch one of my friends good friends she's the goalkeeper she's a nurse so she's doing shift work around training schedule for Lindy Comerford she's a lawyer there's yeah so there's a number of girls with kind of professional careers on the side sadly hockey is obviously it's not as well-funded as something like AFL, so you kind of have to do that sort of stuff if you want to keep momentum. What is the funding like? Well, I can happily tell you exactly what it's like. So I think my weekly payment was $240 a week, and then that would be supplemented by you would get this like direct AIS funding, which were pretty much grants twice a year from the AIS based on where we were ranked in the world. So if I think for the most part when I was playing, we were ranked between third and fifth in the world. You could get a, like a cash bonus of like seven to 10 grand twice a year. Yeah. And how much time of your, you know, day-to-day life were you expected to give to this sport for that, you know, $200? Yeah. Um, I, would, I would classify it as full-time. You're training every day plus, you know, on the weekend on pitch then you've got gym sessions on top of that and you've got meetings and whatnot as well so whilst at face value yeah training only goes for two hours but then you've got recovery after that and then yeah you've got maybe a three-hour break or something and then gym Mm -hmm. in the afternoon but in terms of actually having a job around that schedule is really difficult and for an employer to support you especially when you're going away all the time it's quite difficult you're definitely not in it for the money no, you're definitely there for the love, yeah. And how do you feel looking at, you know, the the big dollars that are put into other sports? Why do you think hockey doesn't get as much as other professional athletes in Australia? I just think personally, if you look at like grassroots sport, the profile for hockey just isn't as big. It's probably 
if you haven't played the sport before, it's probably quite a difficult sport to just sit down and watch and turn on the TV and understand the rules and everything that's going on. Unlike, you know, like soccer or something where it's just quite simple. And even AFL can have some complicated rules, but most people in Australia have grown up with some sort of aspect of AFL, I guess, playing it or watching it or being a part of it in some way. So there is that kind of understanding. Whereas for hockey, I think just the profile isn't there as much is a similar case for a lot of Olympic sports. Whose fault do you think that is? Is it the sport? Do they need to do more? Or is it, you know, getting it into schools more? What do you think is the problem and what needs to happen to fix this? Yeah, tough question. They are, I know Hockey Australia doing a lot with getting majority of their funding goes into grassroots. They've got a hooked into hockey program, similar to that of Auskick or Milo Cricket or something like that. They're doing a lot of work around schools and it is quite popular in the schools, I think. But in terms of, you know, there are people out there trying to get major sponsors or broadcasting partnerships and, and whatnot, but I guess it's a, it's a pretty long process and you're competing for airtime with, you know, the likes of AFL and then newly created AFL women's competitions and there's, there's a lot. It's a very highly concentrated market, I guess, for sport in Australia. So trying to fight for that airtime will always be tough. Obviously, the future of the sport now, with, has COVID affected it at all? Yeah, so the 2020 Olympics are supposed to be this year, obviously, and that's been postponed. So a lot of the girls, because the program is based over here in Perth, are not from Perth, so they've gone home for a little break. Some have come back, depending on where they are. But yeah, training's kind of been postponed, and I think they're going to reselect the squad for next year again. And what do you see the future of hockey like in Australia? I think it's in a relatively good place. Like I said before, it's the challenges of you know competing for airtime at the moment seem pretty big, and I can't see it becoming like a highly funded sport in the near future. But potentially, maybe later down the track, that that could happen. Who knows? But I think the cool thing about hockey is there's you know some of my best friends are obviously still involved in the program and stuff, and at, on an individual level, what they have to offer through like social media and stuff like that could actually have the potential to grow the sport. I think it only takes, you know, one or two people to get traction and get a big profile to kind of lift the rest, I guess. Maybe you need to come out of retirement and become the face of the hockey ruse, Maddie. Start a little influencing (laughs) Instagram. I don't think I'd make a very good Instagram influencer. Yeah. (laughs) You said you made a lot of friends out of the sport. Yeah. Is the culture something that made, did that make it hard for you to step away? Or what is yeah, the culture so, like for at the Hokkaki Roos? So when I first joined the program in 2016, I was, yeah, obviously one of the youngest. And with Olympic sports, people often stay for four-year cycles. So I played with a lot of girls that were late stages of their career, had played, you know, 300 games for Australia, and this was their last year. And then obviously after that, they leave. So the culture can change dramatically in those four-year year cycles. The one that I kind of went into was pretty crazy. It was an Olympic year, so everything is just heightened anyway. But at the end of that year, what ended up happening was all of the staff were gutted and left. Uh, they all either resigned or were made to resign because of the performance that was put on in Rio, as well as some other cultural issues. There was a big review from the AIS into what had happened that year. Can you tell us anything that went on behind the scenes that year? Yeah, so there was coach, there was a lot of allegations. I wasn't in Rio, but, you know, there was allegations, some pretty serious allegations of 
against his behaviour in Rio. Did you know this coach personally? Had you worked with him? Yeah, so he was my head coach as well. Whilst I wasn't in Rio, the the rest of the squad was still back in Perth. So yeah, I did know him personally. I had him for a year. He had already resigned. He had already announced that he was going to resign before the Olympics. And what were the allegations, if people weren't aware? Um, So they were allegations against, it was, I'm not sure what the appropriate word is to say because I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it was like indecent sexual harassment type stuff it was never concluded or he was never charged or anything like that he did step away from the team when these allegations came out yeah so he was already going to step away anyway but that had been announced prior and how did that leave the team well it happened at the end of the olympic year it was a big cycle um that was coming to an end anyway everyone was looking forward to start fresh again we knew we were going to have to get a new coach and a whole new staff anyway the review into into the program was probably very warranted. They were pretty hectic at the time, but it was a nice fresh start to have someone new come in. And But that still wasn't enough to keep you around for a bit longer? No. So for me personally, I think I always had other stuff going on in my life that I wanted to also give some love to. So I guess it's hard to prioritise things, playing hockey, just because it has to be at the top top of your list, I guess, and it needs that airtime <laughs> and to and all your energy. Whereas, you know, I wanted to do a lot of other things, whether it be uni or working or just my friendships or just anything off the field. I've always been a big believer in having a balanced lifestyle. Yeah, I, I guess whilst the culture changed, a lot of my friends actually got brought into the program after that year, which was really fun. I was more so enjoying the off-field stuff than I was the on-field. And I kind of came to the realisation that I don't actually have to play at that level to enjoy that off-field stuff uh, they're my friends now so, so you I can still access them <laughs> yeah so you still play hockey now what is your current you know situation with the sport yeah so I've played I've still played um in the Australian Hockey League for Victoria or Hockey Club Melbourne which we're called now the last couple of years and I'm still playing club hockey here in Perth for Suburban Lions so yeah still still involved and will you ever go back to it professionally or, at, you know, at the age of 23, you're, you're done with that one? I'd, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't think so, but who knows? I don't want to say no. So. And, and so you're living in Perth now. Obviously, yep. there's a good hockey, the hockey programs over here. But we've also got great beaches and you surf. The, the way you find balance in your life? Oh, 100%. When I first moved over to Perth, one of the first things that when I found out, one of the first things I looked up was, where can I live so that I have easy access to surfing and whatnot? And I've been lucky enough, coming from a like small, smallish town, that I've throughout my like last five years moving around all over the place from Melbourne to here and different places. I've been lucky enough to live with families or be kind of I guess billeted families in the area. So I had a fantastic family when I first moved to Melbourne that were a part of the hockey club, Doncaster Hockey Club, who I played for. And then when I moved over here, I kind of wanted to live with people that weren't hockey people just so I could have a little break from that. And I ended up moving in with a fa- I would call them, I guess, a surfing family in Trick, the Bowens. And I ended up living with them for two years and they just lived across the road from South Trick Beach. Wow, lovely. Um, so, yeah, that was that was great for me mentally as well. It was just like a break. I could kind of just get home from training and walk across the road and go for a surf and not have to talk about hockey and stuff. <laughs> 
you obviously work in finance now and have all these other boarding activities that you do on the outside, but who is Maddie without hockey now? Good question. So I guess I some of my other hobbies. I play a lot of golf. I'm quite addicted to golf at the moment. Another sport um, to add to the list. <laughs> yeah, my my boyfriend Matt is very good at golf. So who who's better? Ah, uh, uh, he is at the moment. Yeah, definitely. At the moment, so you're you're at the moment. At the moment, you're going to take him off the throne. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, but he's out there every day, and I've got a full time job. So unless he get gets a job, I guess. <laughs> be hard what motto do you like to live by in life what kind of keeps you going and keeps you so motivated to try new sports and try new things and yeah find new careers there's probably two one one's from my mum give us which both would be um if you hang out with losers you you become a loser that's from mum simple um, but so true <laughs> simple but true but also you know like surrounding yourself with good people will motivate you to try new things and stuff like that too. They say that the five people you spend your most time with influence you. There you go. Bum was right. And then the second one's a bit boring, but it just keeps swimming. The Dory quote, which I'm, whenever I ask, put on like a bio, that's what I put down. So. And what did you learn from your whole experience with hockey? I think as like kind of cliche as it sounds, there I had a lot of really big, cool experiences, but I think as well as the social aspect of navigating team sports, I think the biggest thing for me was just appreciating small things that happen. I think when I reflect back on what my number one moment would be of that whole time would be one of the smallest things ever. It's all, yeah, it's always the small things that come to mind. What so is that moment? It's actually, so at the Commonwealth Games, is our first game and we warm up on the other pitch so you don't see the crowd or anything until you actually walk out onto the pitch ready to play. Sav Fitzpatrick was walking in front of me and we walked out onto the main pitch in front of this massive crowd and you know nothing we'd ever seen before and we just looked at each other and smiled and that that was just like my highlight of the whole of the whole time. So that's they're the kind of things that I probably remember the most. Give us a sell for hockey for any young girls or boys out there who are, you know, like you, very active and love sport. Why should, if they haven't already, give hockey a go? Well, hockey is one of those great sports that actually is very popular for both boys and girls. So there's always a great social aspect at all of the clubs that all of the hockey clubs have always got good parties, stuff like that. Um, Good good for kids and families and you know it's a very family oriented sport because both you know sons and daughters can play just it's a very like highly skilled sport in terms of technical stuff but also you know you've got to be fit and agile and fast and all that so I think it's definitely a challenging sport but I think it's really good to play as a kid for for many reasons like that well with a sell like that I think we'll see the sport keep going for a few more years (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for chatting to me Maybe you can join the West Coast Eagles next or something. Yeah, that's a bit cool. <laughs> that's a, no, I'm I'm going to put money on it. I want to put money on this because I can see this happening for sure. You heard it here first on Left of Field, the next AFLW star. <laughs> well, thank you, Maddie, for chatting today. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Danny. And just like that, another episode is done and dusted. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Maddie. Uh, She gave us a great insight into hockey and maybe you want to give the sport a go yourself. Tune in to next week. I'll be back with another episode. But in the meantime, why don't you go back and give some of the other episodes a listen if you might have missed them. There's a really good chat with Olympic swimmer Brianna Throssell or West Coast Eagles women's captain Emma Thompson. 
Thank you for tuning in and uh, I'll see you again later. Bye.